Hello, everyone. Welcome to A Seat at the Table podcast. I'm your host, Bianca Heron, lead editor at HR Daily Advisor. This podcast focuses on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace, featuring thoughtful conversations and insight from experts, change makers, and leaders from the business world. Today, I'm super excited to be joined by Leslie Wingo, a DEIB strategic consultant and CEO of Sanders Wingo, an independent advertising agency that specializes in multicultural marketing. Leslie, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. I'm excited. I just talked over you. First rule and not and not what and what not to do in a podcast. So oh. sorry. <laughs> you know, I just returned it. It's totally okay. It's totally okay. <laughs> Super excited to have you here again. And we're just gonna delve straight into things. So Leslie, please tell me, what is your definition of having a seat at the table? I think this is a brilliant question. And when I think about it, I think about it in two components. So first for me. Having a seat at the table is being invited to the table or earning my way to the table. But it's not just because I'm African-American and I'm a female. It's because I should be there because I'm great at what I do. And when I get to the table, I want to be seen, valued, and heard for my opinions, for my thoughts, for my expertise. I think the second part of that is a little different in terms of I feel it's my responsibility that when I have those opportunities to have seats at the table, that I bring along people of color or people who are not like everybody else or people who just identify as other, right? Bring them along with me to either be at that table or where can we look around in the universe so they can be at a different leadership table as well. So for me, it's twofold, right? It's my, it's sure. I want to, I want to be, have a seat at the table, but I want to make sure I'm doing my part and bringing along really smart people with me. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And I feel like this is a great segue into, honestly, your background and experiences because that had to, that passion had to uh, be sparked somewhere. So can you talk a bit about your experiences and what sparked you to, or or sparked the fire, I should say, for you to become a strategic DEIB consultant? Sure. So for the last two decades, I have been doing a lot of work and my, my business has primarily been focused on marketing and advertising to people of color, very specifically African-Americans, multicultural and audiences. And as the world shifted with the, you know, with technology and iPhones, so did, so did our, our habits and how we consume goods. So in 2018, my business coach, her name is Janet Zaretsky. I like to call her Jay-Z after one of my favorite rappers, but Jay-Z said, you should do a TEDx. And I said, what am I going to talk about? She said, you should talk about yourself and what it's like to be the only one. So I do the TEDx with her encouragement and I did it and it was recorded. And what, after the recording was released, I was in the Houston airport, I was in Houston hobby and I get the email, check out your TEDx. So I called my mom and I had my mom watch it. I said, she's, I said, let me know if it's good. Cause if it's good, I'm going to push it. So she calls me back. She goes, it's good. I said, is it good? Or is it good because you're my mama? She goes, no, no, it's good. So I had a friend watch it. And so I pushed this thing out into the world and I had a group of friends, a group of CEO friends, um, all of them, but one white men who said, you need to take your, what you know and combine that with this idea of creating places where you're not the only one. Fast forward to the summer of 2020, our summer of racial reckoning and the phone calls that I was receiving were less and less about advertising and marketing. And don't forget, we had Australia fires. We are now newly under COVID restrictions and George Floyd 
Breonna Taylor. And the question becomes, how do I make sure that my, my Black employees specifically at that time, that they feel valued within companies or in particular spaces? And so that's where the passion, be- it started in a different place, but that's when it began to grow and evolve. And making sure that everybody who's, who has whatever they have, and if they are seen as different, or they, like I said, identify as other, that they feel comfortable in spaces and places. And I get companies are in business to make money and companies cannot be all things to all people, but we can do a better job than what we're doing now. And I also think don't let perfection be the enemy of progress. We're not going to get it right all the time, but we can start doing things in baby steps, so to speak. So we can start moving forward in a positive direction. Yes. Wow. Leslie, if I could show you my the hair on my arms right now, it's chills. That was amazing. Thank I, you. I loved all that. So many great sound bites in there. Uh, of course, we can do a better job than we're doing right now. I love that. I love that. Now, as a consultant to business leaders and HR pro- professionals, excuse me, uh, can you talk about the work you do? What does that look like? Sure. It's it's very every company is different. Like just every human being is different. So every company is different. Sometimes I'm brought in by CEOs. Sometimes I'm brought in by chief people officers. Sometimes it's it's uh, the DEI director of DEI. But it always for me starts with a process of discovery. Let's understand what you're really dealing with and what you want to cause. And when I think about it, I want to make sure that everybody's being has the opportunity to be the best that they can. And with the CEOs that I've worked with, most of them white men, making sure that they feel like they are invited into the conversation and not excluded from the conversation. And what we do after in this discovery process and understanding what's going on, I want to look at the mission, the vision, the values of the company and tie DEI or DEIB back into those things. Because if we can tie, if we can take the business objectives and the goal to find diverse talent and what does that look like and what do we want to cause internally and then look at that same puzzle and look at what we can cause externally where both people and companies can shine bright. And more importantly, the CEO can talk about what we're doing from a diversity perspective. I think that's where companies will begin to flourish and grow. And it won't be this awkward conversation of, well, the thing with diversity is, no, we all need to be, we all need the vernacular to be able to talk about diversity in a very honest way and what we're doing to cause change. Still in the same vein here, but shifting gears a little bit, because of course, for me as a writing, as a writer, excuse me, excitement, I hear the story and everything. Storytelling is my jam. And I know that storytelling is important to you as well, uh, especially within and about DEIB. Can you share why and elaborate a bit on that, please? I think... It is, and I don't have any research to prove it, but I'm going to find some so I can make sure my hypothesis is true. People don't remember numbers. We have numbers. We want to count things. We want to count race and sexual orientation and disability. We can count all those things because we can see them. Transformationally, we got, if we're going to change the conversation around DEI, we have to change what got us to this place of having to count people and how they show up in the world. And to do that, If people aren't going to remember stories, I mean numbers, if people aren't going to remember numbers, they are going to remember stories. People remember stories, they don't remember numbers. And when we start talking about diversity and we want to talk about it in an honest way, in my head, it's very much this communications construct in terms of what are you trying to cause? How do you tell that story in an authentic way? 
Authentic means whatever it needs to mean for the company and the person, but not in a performative way, but really tell an honest story about what you're doing or what you're causing. People will remember that. There's a reason why people remember how they felt on a Southwest Airlines flight. They will remember how they felt at Disneyland or Disney World. But I bet you those people don't remember their flight number or what day they landed in Disney, how many days, they may remember how many days they were there, but they won't remember the numbers, they won't remember the feeling. And I think that is the key to having these conversations around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging continue to grow and change and evolve. We have to start telling stories about it, not just numbers. Numbers are only, it's very sugar rushy. And what do you do when the sugar rush runs off? You find more numbers. And so I'm, when I'm doing the work, I want to push the culture to also change, not just hiring to check a box. With storytelling, excuse me, storytelling being so important, where do these come, stories come from? How do they take shape in the office? Is it just communicating amongst each other or just communicating among the C-suite? I think they can come from many different places. And so when I look at, I love human resources as a business owner because they keep me out of hot water. I love human resources because they think about the world and how we bring people into our companies very differently. My concern from human resources when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging is that we're putting all of our eggs on this one group of people to solve the diversity problems, when in reality, it should be across the organization. It should be across the people within the organization. And so stories come from very different places. Stories can come from C-suite and what C-suite's doing, stakeholders, what are we doing with our vendors, how did our vendors show up, what are our employees doing to cause change? Let's talk about that. And then we can start talking about culture and duality of culture. And, you know, I know this today kicks off Hispanic Heritage Month, but what does that really mean in Texas versus California? And what does that mean for our company culture? Where we're looking at it as real stories and not just a calendar where we celebrate these buckets along, you know, every piece of of different or different pieces of the month. Absolutely. And like you said, not just um, making it, keeping it, excuse me, a checkbox item. So in that vein, how can HR leaders evolve DEIB from a checkbox check item, excuse me, to an environment where it's woven into the fabric of their culture? I love that. I think it, I think part of it is shifting part of that responsibility outside of human resources. Diversity, equity, inclusion should show up in our employees. It should show up in our leadership and our ownership and our board of directors. But it also needs to show up in in how we communicate with people. Because if there is an issue that is around diversity, let's let's have the tools to be able to solve it right then and there and not let it get bigger and, and blow out of proportion. I also think that it is easy because as human beings, we like, we like things to be easy for us to only look at historically black colleges and universities or universities that are accredited for um, having Latinx students. What I really think we need to do is think about how we recruit and where we recruit. There are different organizations, there's black MBAs, there are Hispanic MBAs, there are people with disabilities, but that's going to require that we do heavy lifting and do it in ways that we've never done before. It may even be looking at who are we using as recruiters to recruit to our business and how are we writing job descriptions so we can outsmart the algorithm. What are the ways or advice could you suggest that can help HR leaders and organizations rework their company culture to make it more inclusive and foster belonging? 
I love this question. And there's some companies that are playing with it right now, a couple of them that I've worked with. But I think to change, change culture within an organization, it's not about the calendar of culture over the course of 12 months. It's not just about selling Black History Month during you know 28 days. It's not celebrating pride. But sometimes people can be Black and also celebrate. They can be more than one thing. And so how do we start thinking about culture from that way in terms of how people show up and how they can feel okay in culture and feel like they belong in culture? But I think we can start thinking from a human resources perspective, what is our company culture? Because it's not just about belonging. Um, I live in Austin, Texas, very much a tech capital, um, as we like to think of ourselves. But part of the culture and technology, there sometimes it lends towards this broke culture. So we need to start thinking about what is that culture? Is it in our companies? And if we don't want that culture, how do we start to shift that culture? It's not just about the people. It's also about the environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love how you, you broke it down further where, you know, you can be black, but you can also be, you know, gay or trans mm -hmm. or you know, disabled in a wheelchair, whatever it is. So it sounds like, oh, wow, now I'm having a moment uh, here. But it sounds like no matter what that is, it sounds like we're truly involving into a more duplicitous, duplicitous, excuse me, culture. Because we we are more than the sum of our, our parts, right? We're not just, I'm not just a Black female. I'm also CEO. I'm a mom of two kids. I have, you know, I have my friend groups. I'm supporting different people and different things. So the way I show up, if I want to bring my whole self to work, is not just during Black History Month. And it's not just during a different month that makes sense uh, for who I am, because that's what's happening in the foreground. It's the stuff that happens in the background where I, I really am able to, sh you know, shine and change things. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Uh, and you mentioned, of course, being able to show up, right, as, as yourself. There's a lot of talk right now, and I'm sure you know uh, about this, about bringing your authentic self to work versus your adapted self. Do you have any thoughts on that? You know, I used to think, you know, in my world, we used to say that a lot of code switching, right? Do a lot of code switching so we would fit in to the corporate culture. I remember starting in business, and I, I used to perm my hair and I had relaxed hair. Now I wear my hair natural. But there are still industries where Black women cannot do that because they won't fit in. And so when I look at that, yeah, of course, there's things that people have to do to, to, to switch to like they, be, like they belong in the culture. And I used to think that was negative. I used to think, well, why should anybody have to sh change up who they are? But I also think of it as if you can show up for your audience that is a superpower. And that is something that you should always use to your advantage. Not that I, I want people to change who they are, but if you see the world differently, you have created more opportunities in that moment than you would have if you didn't. And so I want people to be able to go to work and be who they are and show up how they want to show up. But I also want people to recognize that the, this idea of understanding who you're communicating with, use that to your advantage. Don't look at it as a disadvantage. It is a complete advantage for you as, a, as an employee or as a leader. I love that. I love that. Where do you see corporate culture headed? Uh, and if you, this is my curveball here, and if you don't like where you see it's headed, where would you like to see it go? You know, it, it, corporate culture is an interesting, an interesting thing. I think 
where I've seen it, I saw it really accelerate in 2020. And then I saw a lot of people getting hired. My concern is now we've hired people, the sugar rush is gone. And so now we're back to doing the thing, the way the thing that has always been done. What I want to happen is to not keep the status quo, status quo, excuse me, but look at this thing as an opportunity to do better, not just, not for only this generation, I'm an Xer, not for the one behind me, but for my little kids, right? How do we start planting those seeds so when they're grown, they have the opportunity to plant new trees because we've put all the seeds in the right place. I think if we keep doing the things, the way the thing that's always been done, we're going to get the same result. And the genie's out of the bottle. Things are not going back to the way they were. And employees are not, from what I can see, employees are expecting this diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging thing. For however it shows up for them, they want to know what are you doing and what are you committed to? And it can't be lip, lip service. Show me, show me your receipts. Show me what you're doing. And I think we're going to see more of that and more of that. And we can see it on social media, this really weird place of on social media, if you're a human being, you have access to the president of the United States and also to, to the company, right? And it's that gray area of am I an employee or am I am I causing, am I doing social justice? And companies need to be able to respond to that and show the receipts and do it in a responsible way where they're not only checking boxes, but they're really making transform transformational change. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And uh, I've got one more question for you, but before I ask you that, is there anything else that you'd like to talk or add? I could talk. I, I love this conversation of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. I love being able to talk to people who are con concerned about it. Like, what do I do with it? I don't want anybody to feel like they cannot come to me because they don't have the right question to ask and it hasn't been purified. I want them to ask me the question so I can get them to a place where they can talk about things and not be embarrassed. So they can always email me at lwingo at sanderswingo.com. But until we have those conversations, things don't change. And until there is listening for understanding and not defending a, a position, things don't change. And I'm committed to seeing things change, not just for me and not just for my kids, but I want it for everybody's kids and everybody's generation. And so that's what I want. I love that. I love that. And my final question for you, what's on your heart? Ooh, on my heart, when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, I want human resources to get the recognition that they deserve and all of the work that they do. I want human resources to treat themselves the way Jerry Jones treats the Dallas Cowboys. How do we start branding this group of people and branding what they do to make impact? Because there's so much, they do so much work behind the and in the background. And they I feel like they don't get the credit that they deserve. And they should be the superstars, not to play, not to play on Jerry Jones, but they should be seen as this incredible group of people who know how to do their job and they they operate like a team and they're very efficient at what they do. But how do we shine a light on celebrating their successes as well? Um, I don't, they just don't get enough credit. And I think it's time for them to get credit for what they're doing and the things that they do and how they do them. And they're writing job descriptions and they're, you know, creating healthcare plans and all the things, right? I want them to be branded like Jerry Jones brands the Cowboys. 
I love that. I love that. Leslie, it has been such a pleasure chatting with you today. And thank you so much for being here again. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. And remember, you can always listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Again, I'm Bianca Heron. Join us next time at the table. And as always, we'll have your seat waiting for you.